We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Kicks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by The Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. Yusei, we're recording this episode following the Super Bowl uh, on February 10th here. Uh, you know, the game was uh, not as good, I think, as maybe we expected. Definitely not as close. Uh, the Buccaneers just, they were all over the Chiefs in, the, in that one and uh, just turned out to be in their favor. In their favor. Uh, Tom Brady getting, getting his seventh Super Bowl win, just absolutely ridiculous. But, uh, you know, other than that, you know, how, how are you doing today, man? It's uh, kind of been a wild week with all these Bears rumors going around. Yeah, it has been a wild week. You know, I'm doing well first off. Thanks for asking. But it's just been a wild week in the sense that you get done with the Super Bowl. Obviously, my biggest takeaway from that game was the Buccaneers kind of put together on tape, hey, if you are going to neutralize – the Chiefs in any way or not even neutralize I would say the correct term would be slow down this is the game plan you're going to need to use in the sense that double teaming guys like Hill and Kelsey playing this two high safeties packages and schemes of that nature consistently just getting after the quarterback with only your front four it was definitely an interesting and my opinion fun game to watch but then you look at all the Bears quarterback rumors and these this is not something that's just propped up here a couple days after the Super Bowl, right? It's essentially been something that's been ongoing since last week. And so right now, I think, you know, with the Bears QB rumors, it's just, it's essentially a waiting game is what it is. And who's going to bite the bullet first is what it will come down to ultimately. 
Yeah, and because of the bear situation, it feels like it's just going to be like this until they make a move. It's going to be like this all offseason. If there's any quarterback that's out there that's going to be available or presumably available or potentially available even, uh, the Bears are definitely going to be involved in that. It's just the way it's it's going to be going. But, you know, it was odd because uh, Twitter was – Bears Twitter felt like it was melting down for the most part before the Super Bowl leading up to it on Friday and Saturday because – uh, at least I thought it was going to be a done deal that the Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz would be traded to uh, the Bears from the Eagles there for a second there. And, um, you know, that would be certainly an interesting one. Uh, it, now it's, it's starting to sound like things are kind of, talks are kind of cooling down a little bit. The Bears are, are willing to let this wait out and not rush things uh, on that front. Uh, you know, it sounds like, the Bears and the Colts, those are the two main teams involved with Carson Wentz there in that trade, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the rumors coming out of there are that the Eagles have their their price extremely high, like two first-round picks, and that's just not, not feasible whatsoever, especially when you consider Carson Wentz, he's coming off as bad of a season as he did where he got benched. He was, Carson Wentz was legitimately maybe the worst quarterback in football last season. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration to say. He was just – that bad and you don't know where that leaves him going forward as a as a quarterback so um personally i would not be a fan of that as, as a bears fan i would not like to see that move regardless of compensation um but yeah i mean they're gonna be involved with a bunch of other names as well you know Derek carr it seems like they've they've called the raiders on Derek carr once again they were interested last off season but uh coming off of the season that Derek carr had in 2020 you know that, that price is certainly going to be very uh significant probably looking at a couple first round picks there. Uh, you know, Gardner Minshew is another name to watch out for with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and Mar Marcus Mariota as well with the Raiders. So there's a lot of names out there. And, um, you know, what, what kind of sense are you getting from this entire market so far on how this thing may shake out for the Bears going forward here? If I were to describe the market right now, I would say it's uncertain. And it's uncertain because – when we look at the Bears, we see, okay, they've been linked to Carson Wentz. They've been linked to Derek Carr. There was a report out there from some website that Gardner Minshew could be an option. And when I look at all these, I say, okay, let's play connect the dots here. Who's the one guy at Hallis Hall right now that has worked with each of these three guys in the past? That's John Filippo the quarterbacks coach and the current passing game coordinator because he just got promoted. But when you dive deeper, it's not just the fact that Filippo's worked with these guys in the past. The significant thing about him is that he's worked with each of these three guys during their rookie seasons, right? And so ultimately, when we look at something like that, we very quickly realize that maybe the tipping point here or the deciding factor for what the Bears decide to do, because again, they've mentioned 16 times in that press conference in the season-ending press conference that they were going to go and collaborate, maybe they listened to DiFilippo a bit more than we're accustomed to seeing teams get input and intel from the quarterback's coach regarding who the quarterback should be, right, or how the team should address the quarterback situation. As far as compensation goes, the Eagles want something of a similar haul to what the Lions got for Matt Stafford, which was two first-round picks. Carson Wentz, 
Yeah, from 2017 to 2019, he was playing much better than any other Bears quarterback, but he's not a guy that is worth two first-round picks considering the dysfunctionality that was the Philadelphia Eagles last year. I mean, Carson Wentz is mentally broken, but he's also physically broken. Derek Carr is a guy that I look at, and I'm like, you know what? The guy's been on some really good teams because the Raiders have had some success in the playoffs with Derek Carr leading the way, and that was earlier in his career. Free Gruden, by the way. But then he's he's basically Derek Carr to me is kind of underappreciated, right? Because he's been a pretty solid starting quarterback. And then you look at Gardner Minshew. Now, my whole thing is this is Gardner Minshew took the league by storm because of Minshew mania. But is he really the guy that you're going to give up some draft picks for some compensation for? If you're a team that's in win-now mode, I think if you're the Bears and you're a team that's in win-now mode, you're doing one of two things. Number one is you're figuring out a way to put together a trade package for Deshaun Watson. Or number two, you're trading for Derek Carr. Those are legitimately your only two options If for a team that is in win-now mode, for a regime that's trying to salvage everything it can, knowing that all the chips are on the table. You go with Carson Wentz, it's a high-risk, high-reward option. Gardner Minshew does not scream like a guy that any team around the league would trade for if they were in win-now mode. That's just the reality of the situation. And then if the Bears decide, you know what, we are not going to go out and get any of these veteran quarterbacks, then you're playing this game of in the NFL draft, you're putting your hands into a guy like a Trey Lance or a guy like a Mac Jones, right? You're depending on a rookie to come in and to salvage whatever is left of the defense. And we, you and I both know this, that considering where the bears are at, unless they make a massive trade up, if they land a guy like Lance or Mac Jones, right. What's going to happen is it's going to be another year or two before that quarterback is fully developed. And by that time, you know, the defense is going to be gone. Yeah. But, and that's the biggest fear. I think um, if, you know, you're going up to trade it for a quarterback early in the draft, there is, you have to keep in mind that unless you know, he somehow just things click right away as a rookie. It's probably going to take a year or two um, for that quarterback to get up to speed and get going there as an NFL quarterback, as a quality NFL starter for you. You know, it's very rare to get years like the Justin Herberts and the Joe Burrows of the world that, that we saw this past year where these quarterbacks came in and they were just clicking right away. And even then, those teams uh, weren't very successful. You look at the Bengals and the Chargers, weren't very successful from a wins and losses standpoint. Um, even though I would say with the Chargers, they have a very talented roster overall, just that they have a couple of holes here and there, especially on the offensive line. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, it's a very interesting predicament that the Bears got themselves into here because, you know, like you said, Carson Wentz, he is a huge, huge gamble, uh, I think, for any team, but especially a team like the Bears, because it goes down to not only are you trading for the player, but you're trading for the contract as well. So if you're just comparing the situation here, which is what I've been bringing up with Colts, you know, Twitter, Bears, Twitter, all that stuff. When you look at the Bears and Colts situation there, they're completely different situations. You look at the Colts, not only do they have a ton of cap space um, to, to work with here where they can absorb a Carson Wentz contract, you know, not only do they have, I think, around 68 to 70 million this year, but they're well over 100 next year. And they have plenty of room to extend guys like Quentin Nelson on their team, uh, Darius Leonard, some of their big name players. They can absorb a Carson Wentz contract there and be fine with it and, and be able to work that out. 
and give him the time needed to see if they can fix him, so to speak there. Whereas the Bears, they can't really afford that because right now, as things stand, they're about $10 million over the salary cap, I believe, um, according to overthecap.com. That might have changed. They adjusted their um, salary cap figures for this upcoming season. So that might have changed. But either way, they're over the cap right now. So you're in a situation where if you do trade for a Carson Wentz, you're probably going to have to restructure his deal so he's not as expensive, which only puts more dead money going into the future, which means if he's awful again, you know, this upcoming season, you're not necessarily stuck with him, but it's you know, a lot more expensive to move on from him from a salary cap perspective. Whereas, you know, the Colts, if Wentz is bad for them in the one year that they try and get him, uh, they can just move on in 2022 and, you know, that's it. They don't have any other commitments there to worry about with Carson Wentz. Different situation with the Bears there. So you have to keep that in mind there. And then, of course, you know, they're going to have to push as much money into the future as possible to make that work. It just, to me, that would not be a great scenario all around. So uh, Derek Carr definitely would make the most sense, I think. But I think the Bears in that situation, they're probably going to have to overpay because the Raiders – they have no incentive to necessarily give Derek Carr away coming off of the year that he had. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a weird situation. When it comes to just those three, you said, how would you rank them in terms of who would you like to see um, the bears go after uh, in, in order there, would you say? Right. So I would go with Derek Carr, number one, because again, I established this a couple moments ago. The guy's played on some really, he's played some really good football and he's led the Raiders to the playoffs. Right. And when you look at his cap hit, I mean, listen, his cap hit for this year, I think for 2020, for the next two seasons is like 19 million or something, which by the way, he's massively underpaid compared to what would be on your books for a guy like Carson Wentz, right? And then Gardner Minshew's obviously got two years left on a rookie deal. But I would go with Derek Carr first. Then I would go with Carson Wentz because Wentz can be a bit of a reclamation project. But I think I've been on both sides of this argument, right? I've said the Bears need to inquire about Wentz because we know what he can do when he's playing at a real high level. But they also need to stay away from him because of things like the back and the knee injuries, right? And we know that players in this league that have back and knee injuries, a lot of them are never the same again, right? So, and then obviously you look at all the dysfunctionality, good quarterbacks through dysfunction figure out a way to hold the fort down and still play at a high level. Carson Wentz did not prove that in 2019, I'm sorry, in 2020, right? So then I would go Carson Wentz. And the last and final guy for me would be Gardner Minshew because has Gardner Minshew flash some potential yes all right but at the end of the day when you look at it right in my eyes he's shown nothing that shows that you know what I should continue to be the long-term future in Jacksonville I mean this is the same guy who at one point right got benched for Nick Foles and then even though he was somewhat healthy in 2020 the Jags were still content with starting a guy like Mike Lennon or guys like Jake Luton over Gardner Minshew and so ultimately when I look at that it screams to me that yeah you know some of the coaching staff in Jacksonville last year believed in Minshew but not everyone was on the same page as to whether he should start or not so Minshew in my eyes right 
I'll say this is it's like, if you're going to go trade for Gardner Minshew, then you might as well do something right. Like just bring a guy like Mitch Trubisky back, knowing that you're not really significantly upgrading the quarterback room. And that's how the bears have to approach this thing is they have to say, Hey, who are the quarterbacks that are going to allow us to go ahead and upgrade this room? Not just that we get rid of a guy like Mitch Trubisky or we trade away a guy like Nick Foles and we bring in someone new but those new guys really don't significantly upgrade the quarterback position. That's how the bears have to go about approaching this whole thing. Yeah. I think you absolutely nailed it with that last point. Uh, you know, they talked about it a lot in, the, in their uh, postseason press conference that they have to get the quarterback, right? Well, I agree. Selling for a guy like Gardner Minshew, does that really move the needle that much? Probably not. So yeah, I'll, I'll end this section by uh, I agreeing with you actually with the exact order there. So Derek Carr, I think he's an established uh, borderline franchise level quarterback. I think if the Bears can go after him and get him on a reasonable trade, that would be a slam dunk move, I think, for them in terms of where they are at right now. Carson Wentz, I see the upside there. I think that if things do go right, that could be an absolute, you could look at that trade as uh, absolutely being genius from running pace. But if it doesn't work out, it's going to be a complete disaster. And you're looking at that as uh, one of the worst trades in the franchise's history that'll probably get this entire regime fired at the end of it. So uh, Carson Wentz, I see the upside, but it's very risky and very costly in my opinion. And Gardner Minshew, it's probably the cheapest move of the three. In fact, it would be the cheapest move of, of the three by far, both from a draft capital and salary cap ramification standpoint. But, you know, I, I just don't see the upside with Minshew. I think he's fine as a low level starter, but, you know, like you said, you have to be looking at this thing from the standpoint of trying to actually significantly upgrade the position and I got a Gardner Minshew to me doesn't significantly upgrade the position at that level. All right. So we talked a lot about the quarterback situation here, but that's going to be a good way to kind of shift gears to our subject for today's episode, which is going to be our first mock draft of the 2021 NFL draft season, uh, our 2021 mock draft 1.0, so to speak, as you can call it. So uh, we'll be getting into that shortly. We're assuming at this point that no trade is made at this point for the purpose of this mock draft, but we'll get into that after the break here. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our first break of the show and then we're going to get right into our mock draft here. So we're going to take a step away real quick for a quick word from our sponsor. The old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the legends of the old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, starting off this mock draft episode by first going over the rules that we used and the kind of the, the simulator that we use for this mock draft because we wanted to keep things as consistent as, po as possible uh, for our mock drafts to compare and contrast from each other. So what we did for our mock draft 1.0 here for the 2021 NFL draft was we use Pro Football Focus's mock draft simulator uh, just for consistency purposes and because they work in projected comp picks as well so it's a little bit more accurate in terms of the amount of picks that are there for the upcoming draft and as well as the amount of picks that the bears will or will have because 
They are projected to get, I think, at least two uh, six-round picks uh, from the comp pick formula. Uh, so that works in there for this draft as well. So uh, another rule that we had for this mock draft was the non-use, I should say, of trades. So no trades in this mock draft. Um, you know, that'll definitely change, I think, down the line once we do another mock draft going into the future so we can get a little bit more creative for, for that. But for the purposes of this mock draft, we just did it straight up based off of what picks that the Bears have uh, right now. And what we're going to do at the end of our mock drafts here is we're going to grade each other's mock drafts since we each did our own separate mock drafts. So that'll be kind of fun, I think, at the end there to kind of uh, give each other's our different perspectives there on each other's mock drafts and, and kind of go into it there. So you said, I'm going to start with you with your mock draft going First of all, what your general strategy was going into this mock draft? What things were you trying to accomplish here in terms of positions being evaluated, being uh, addressed here, or just a general philosophy that you wanted to stick to for this? And, you know, tell me what your first round pick was for this mock draft. So my philosophy is based on Chicago making some sort of move at quarterback before the NFL draft. And that means that I expect the Bears to have acquired a veteran quarterback or a guy that has started sometime in the NFL before the Bears are officially on the clock with the 20th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. And my whole thing was, let's figure out how to fill a lot of the needs that exist on the roster, right? So my first pick, what I did is I went with Purdue wide receiver Rondale Moore. And the reason that I went ahead and did that, right, is because you look at the future of Allen Robinson, I mean, with the Bears, it's uncertain. The ideal scenario is bringing Allen Robinson back, but you still need more pass catchers in this league, right? Chicago needs, they need a third wide receiver to truly step up, right? So let's just say you bring back Allen Robinson, right? And then you have Darnell Mooney. Well, who's going to be your third guy? Because you can't necessarily bank on Anthony Miller, Riley Ridley, or Javon Wims, right? So I went ahead with Rondale Moore. And what I really like about him is that he's versatile. He's just an electric weapon that you know is going to go ahead and spark an offense. And while he has had some injury history in the past, I think that when he is fully healthy, right, he is going to be a guy that's going to be a dynamic playmaker for any offense. Yeah, that, that's certainly an interesting pick. Uh, Rondale Moore, for those who haven't seen this, there's a, a video circulating on Twitter, I think it was earlier today, where uh, it showed Rondale Moore jumping, I believe it was a 42-inch vertical, I, I believe. Just Rondale Moore is just insanely explosive as a player. He's a guy that, when he's healthy, he's one of the more dynamic playmakers in this draft, especially when he gets the ball after the catch. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's definitely an interesting first-round pick. Uh, and something that I think would definitely benefit the Bears from a weaponry standpoint as well. I mean, you talked about needing a third wide receiver. Definitely interesting move there. Um, so I'll go to uh, my mock draft and what my strategy was uh, before getting to that there. So my entire strategy uh, kind of was around basically the idea that, you know, if the Bears have all their picks, they probably did not trade for a veteran quarterback to be their quote-unquote answer both for the 2021 season and beyond so what you're looking at there is that the bears they do need a quarterback from this draft assuming that they'll need it high they probably maybe went out there and got a quarterback such as a uh a james winston a ryan Fitzpatrick, a joe jacoby Brissett. you know assuming he's cut alex smith those are the type of quarterbacks you're looking at that are going to be available in free agency assuming that they don't make a deal 
uh, to trade for a quarterback. So I went with the mindset of, you know, the Bears, not only do they need to address offense early and often for this one, but they need to get a quarterback early, presumably in the first round, um, you know, because, you know, quarterback position, they just need to address it. And, uh, you know, even if that means maybe they have to pass up on a starter here and there, potentially that, that, you know, that could be um, an issue there, but, um, you know, quarterback was the main focus for this draft for me. Obviously I didn't want to force a pick if it wasn't there, but if there's a quarterback that I felt like could be worthy of a first round pick, I was going to take him. Um, and then as for the rest of the draft, you know, I was looking for, especially with the offense, I wanted to address it early on day one and day two. So looking for guys with high upside or guys that are going to be day one starters to contribute right away on that side of the ball. The defense, not really worry about it as much until day three, where I was looking to kind of get some depth pieces here and there um, to kind of add some more, I, I guess, some more value in terms of the coverage aspect of this defense, because they've invested a lot in the front seven. They need to get a little bit more depth in the back seven. I think we look at the defensive backs, the safeties, cornerbacks, as well as the linebackers as well. So my goal was to come up with a quarterback and an offensive tackle at the minimum in this draft, presumably early. Um, but I also wanted to add as many playmakers as possible as well. So I'll, I'll start off with my first round pick. Um, and that's going to be Mac Jones, quarterback out of Alabama. So again, like I said, in this scenario, the Bears, they have all their picks. They're not trading for a quarterback here. Um, and they probably signed a, a veteran on a one-year deal or something like that to compete with Nick Foles. Well, you need a long-term option still at the quarterback position um, to kind of at least try to raise the floor of this team because none of those guys I mentioned are going to get you into playoff contender status in the short term. So you need to get a quarterback in here. And Matt Jones, while he's not the most exciting pick from an upside standpoint, um, you know, when I looked at the situation here at this point in the draft, none of the top tackles were on the board for me. Uh, none of the top playmakers in terms of wide receivers and tight ends were on the board for me at this point. So I went with Mac Jones because to me, there is a massive gap between him and the next quarterback on my draft board. Um, so, you know, I felt confident that Mac Jones, there is enough there to where I felt comfortable with him taking him in the first ground there. And I feel confident that he's a guy that because um, of his ability at Alabama to play within the system there and pick that up and, and look very comfortable with that um, at Alabama, that I felt pretty confident that he can contribute and start right away, you know, be, and be relatively fine starting at the position. So while he lacks the upside of the top four quarterbacks in this class, you know, after watching him at the senior bowl, I do think his arm talent and athleticism um, is a bit better than what he gets credited for. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend like this isn't a bit of a reach because based on where I grade Jones, I grade him as more of a second round talent um, and not necessarily a first round talent. Ideally, you know, you would look to trade up in the situation, I think, to get one of the top four quarterbacks or trade down and try and get some multiple picks in the second and third rounds and try and, you know, that's really where the strength of this draft is, in my opinion, and trying to address some other positions uh, potentially. But at the end of the day, Jones, I think he's a solid prospect at the quarterback position. I think he starts sooner rather than later in this scenario. And if he reaches his upside, you're looking at a guy kind of similar to Kirk Cousins type of ceiling there. Uh, you know, maybe not as exciting, but maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo type of player is kind of a, a comparison for him. And that wouldn't be terrible given where the Bears' current quarterback situation is at. 
I think they could win with that type of quarterback on his rookie deal. They can get him some playmakers and some talent around him as their starter. Um, but obviously not the highest upside there. And same ring rings true for my second round pick, which was Liam Eichenberg off the tackle out of Notre Dame. So Eichenberg, he's a guy that three-year starter at left tackle for Notre Dame. I, I think he slides in here right away and plays right tackle, assuming that they're keeping Charles Leno and maybe moving on from Bobby Massey. So to me, Eichenberg, he's a starter on day one. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of upside similar to Mac Jones, but uh, – you know, I, I think he's a rock solid player. He doesn't have the athleticism of some of these other tackles in this class, but uh, he's very technically and fundamentally sound in pass protection. He's very polished overall. He's very physical in the run game, which I really like. And I think he's one of those guys that he's going to go in the second, third round of this draft and a team's just going to pick him up there. And he's going to be a solid starter for them in the NFL for the next 10 or so years, maybe never make a pro bowl or, or, or all pro team, but a guy that you can just rely upon to, be a rock there for your offensive line. So I went in that direction for my second round pick. What did you do with your second round pick? So for my second round pick, right, I went ahead and I chose Liam Eichenberg as well. And I look at the numbers that left tackles are getting paid, right, in terms of the finances. And you realize that the highest paid guy is David Bakhtiari, right, making $23 million a year. You have these guys like Larmy Tunsil, uh, Ronnie Stanley, you know, Garrett Bowles making – 22, 19, $17 million a year, right? The Bears are paying Charles Leno Jr. just under $10 million a year. So it just shows that if you want to upgrade that left tackle position, you're going to have to be paying, you know, 17, 18, 19 million plus dollars, right? But Eichenberg makes a lot of sense because I think that in any other draft class, he would probably be a first round pick, right? Because you are going to have a likely run on quarterbacks and then the wide receivers, right? And then just some other positions as well, right? You look at Eichenberg slipping all the way to the second round. And I do think that in the second round at 52nd overall, which is where Chicago is projected to pick, he is going to be an immediate steal. I think one of the big things to keep in mind with Notre Dame offensive linemen is that they're super versatile, right? So these are guys that you look at and you're like, okay, well, they can, they may have played one position at Notre Dame and South Bend, but they can easily make the transition over to another position if they need. And I look at Eichenberg and it's like, okay, you know what? I totally agree with you. He is a guy that can, can slide in at either left tackle or right tackle. So I really like Eichenberg as the Bears' second round pick. Yeah. And by the way, we've not looked at each other's mock drafts going into this. So if we get the same pick on one of our, one of our selections, it's probably purely, you know, circumstantial or just a coincidence um so that brings me to my third round pick then which is the 83rd pick in this draft and that's brevin jordan tied in out of miami now i'm not sure if he makes it this far down the board um when it comes to actual draft day because he has a very high ceiling in my opinion uh as of right now i see him as a second round talent on my board but um you know i was surprised he dropped to me this far but if he does you, you can never you know leave out any um, possibility when it comes to the NFL draft. You know, if he does fall to the Bears here, this would be a complete steal, in my opinion. Uh, Brevin Jordan, he is a dynamic athlete for the tight end position, and he competes pretty hard in the run game as well. You look at him physically, six foot three, 245 pounds is what he was listed at at Miami. And I just think he's the type of player that is perfect for Matt Nagy's offense as the U tight end. And I think he complements Cole Komet really well here because – Let's get this real, you know, 
clear it up right here because I think a lot of Bears fans will be confused. Like, why are you taking a tight end so high in back-to-back drafts? Well, it has to be pointed out that Cole Komet and Brevin Jordan, they don't play the same position. They play two completely different positions for this offense. Uh, Cole Komet is a, you know, prototypical Y inline tight end. You know, he's going to block in the line of scrimmage. Maybe you flex him out once in a while in the red zone here and there, but he is not someone that's going to be, you know, spread out in the formation, uh, winning one-on-one battles with defensive backs or linebackers. He's not really a mismatch problem. He's a very... He's a very solid blocker type of guy. He's a very big guy in the red zone. Uh, he does a lot of the traditional things you see from a tight end in the past in the NFL. Whereas Brevin Jordan, he's more of that new age, you know, maybe not undersized, but kind of the big wide receiver type of tight end. You split him out all over the formation, maybe put him in the backfield as well. And he's just a mismatch problem because of his size, because of his athleticism, because of his height, uh, just gives you a lot of versatility for your offense. And this allows the Bears to do a lot of things offensively that I think uh, Matt Nagy would love to be able to take advantage of because Brevin Jordan's not a bad blocker as well, uh, given his size. Right. You know, and obviously, like Andrew just disclosed a moment ago, the board just fell the way it did. We did not look at each other's mock drafts, but I have Brevin Jordan as my third round pick as well. And I think that the key thing to keep in mind is there is actually a point going into this 2020 college season that a lot of people before Kyle Pittsburgh onto the scene and Pat Freermirth kind of was always there, but a lot of people considered Brevin Jordan to be the top tight end in this class. Now, when I look at Jordan Andrew, I'm going to say a lot of the same stuff that you did. When I look at this offense, first things first, Jordan is a typical receiving tight end that would function in today's NFL, right? And he would be playing at a very high level. But when I look at the Bears offense, right, I realized that when the Eagles had Doug Peterson, right, what did they do? They had a lot of Zach Ertz, Dallas Goder type packages, right? Similarly, the Chiefs always flex Travis Kelsey out into the slot. They move Travis Kelsey all over the place, right? So the Bears have tried to experiment with having a guy like Brevin Jordan's caliber, right? All over the place. I mean, listen, they tried it with Trey Burton for some time, right? Incorporating him into like the backfield and throwing him shuffle passes, things of that nature, but it never really seemed to work out. So if the Bears can land a guy like Brevin Jordan, I really think that we will see this offense take another step forward because the tight end is such a critical component of this offense. And Matt Nagy would truly have the guy, the tight end, to move and kind of move around wherever he wants to, scheme around however he wants to. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny how those last two picks worked out there. Um, but we'll see. May- hopefully we get a little bit more variety here on day three. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to get to those picks coming up soon, but we're going to first take another break here with another quick word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pays, continuing our mock draft by starting with our day three picks. So what the Bears have here on day three, they have one fifth round pick at pick 165. They have three sixth round picks because of two comp picks at 205, 219, and 224. And they also have one seventh round pick as a result of the Adam Shaheen trade uh, at pick 230. So you say, I'll start with you with the fifth round pick. Who did you pick uh, at pick 165? So I know it's going to be a bit of surprise to some people, right? But I actually went with defense here. And I went with Pittsburgh's defensive lineman, Jalen Twyman, right? The reason I went with him is because 
yeah, he opted out of the 2020 college season, but when you look at him as a sophomore, he had a pretty productive season in 2019. I mean, 41 tackles, 12 tackles for a loss, 12 and a half sacks right now. I do think that there is some aspects of his game that he can grow and I think he could afford to add one or two more pass rush moves instead of just using the push pull or the swim move right to really take his game to the next level but I also look at the situation that the Bears defense is in right because you and I established this on the podcast a couple weeks ago they are going to have to let some defensive players go in order to reinvest in the offensive side of the ball but if you can get a guy like Twyman in the later rounds of the draft, I would consider it a really good pickup because number one, Ryan Pace has had success over the last seven or so years with guys on day three. But then number two, you can never have too many pass rushers. And when you can have pass rushers and guys that can consistently get after the quarterback playing on cheap rookie deals for four seasons, right? That is a big bonus that I think just goes a long way towards building your team. Yeah, and another thing to, to keep in mind for Jalen Twyman is that, you know, Keen Hicks, he's going to the last year of his deal. You're probably using, losing, I should say, Roy Ross and Harris this offseason. Uh, Blal Nichols, he's going into a contract year. You don't know what the defensive line situation is going to be. And Jalen Twyman is kind of an undersized uh, pass rushing defensive lineman in the interior. Uh, it could be a good value there in the fifth round for sure. Um, so I went defense as well for my pick in my mock draft. But I went with a different approach here, focusing more on the secondary. Um, and that's where my pick was, going with Reed Blankenship, safety out of Middle Tennessee State. So Blankenship, obviously this is a small school player, but to me he's a very well-rounded safety that I think will be very perfect for what the Bears want to run on defense next season. So Blankenship, when I watch him play, he's a guy that's best utilized, I think, in a cover two cover four scheme where you're running a lot of two high safeties, kind of similar to what the Buccaneers did actually in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. But he also does have enough range, I believe, to rotate into a single high coverage depending on the situation. He's not a guy that you necessarily want to be your single high cover three safety all game long. Um, but, you know, for certain coverages here and there, if you want to disguise some things, he does have enough range where he can do those responsibilities. But where Blankenship really stands out to me is that he's a very reliable tackler when pursuing, and he's not afraid to play physical in the run game as well, getting up there in the box and making a hit on some of these ball carriers up there. So to me, as someone who's very dependable in the secondary, I think he'd be a very nice compliment to uh, Eddie Jackson there because Eddie Jackson is a guy that likes to take a lot of chances. He likes to go after turnovers. You need a safety back there to compliment him that is – a little bit more on the conservative side that is not afraid to, I wouldn't say, you know, be, be too conservative in terms of just like not making any plays on the ball, but somebody that is going to be reliable back there that you can, um, that will kind of allow Eddie Jackson to do his thing and be aggressive uh, without as many horrible consequences, I should say. So I think he would be someone that maybe doesn't start right away, but he could be a long-term replacement to Andrew Amos there in the safety room, which, they've been looking for over the past couple of years, just haven't been able to find it. And then the next pick here, I'll, I'll just keep the ball rolling here. Uh, sixth round, 205 pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Shamar Gene Charles out of Appalachian State, cornerback. Uh, look at Gene Charles, two-year starter that had an exceptional 2020 season. According to PFF, 
they credited him with having a higher forced incompletion percentage, um, higher than his uh, completion percentage allowed. So that is rarely the case uh, in college for quarters. It's really rarely the case in the NFL as well for uh, quarterbacks. And it just shows that he had a very high level of play at his level of competition. So again, another small school player, but you look at his physical profile, five foot 11, 190 pounds, so a little bit undersized, but he makes up for it with exceptional length and quickness. He's very quick. Um, and that leads me to believe that he can be someone that can play both on the outside because of his length and on the inside. So you can play him um, as a perimeter corner or in the slot when they go to nickel. So look at the Bears corner situation. They're moving on from Buster's screen, I'd assume, this offseason. Uh, Fuller, he's going into the last year of his dear deal. And in fact, they may trade him this offseason. You never know, depending on what they want to do here uh, with that situation. And in my opinion, you can never have too many corners. So Gene Charles, another guy to add to the secondary and add more depth and talent to that unit overall. Yeah, you know, cornerback for me is an interesting position because when I look at it, I feel like the Bears, right? So you have Jalen Johnson, who obviously is going to go into next year starting. And then let's just say they do bring back Kyle Fuller. They decide to extend him and lower his cap hit in 2021 to create some extra cap space. But then you do have Kendall Wilder and Duke Shelley. So to me, I feel like Chicago's kind of set at the cornerback position. So for me, with the sixth round at the 205th overall pick, I actually doubled down and went with another Notre Dame offensive lineman, which was the guard, Tommy Kramer. And I look at him and I realize, look, he can either play guard or he can go ahead and play center, right? And I think that his athleticism of at least what we can see on tape, right, is really best served at center because he is kind of mobile at when he does go ahead and get to the second level, right? And I think that when he does have, you know, good other good offensive line around him. I think that really he's a guy who can be an effective under the radar starter for you, either at guard or at center. So I think Tommy Kramer is a guy that you should keep an eye on. He's a guy that you could take in the sixth round, just because like Chicago needs some offensive line depth. I mean, they can't really go into next year, hoping that a guy like Alex Bars pans out or really steps up and develops significantly. Same thing with Sam Mustafir. I mean, I know the Bears are going to have a good problem on their hands in terms of you have Cody White here, you have James Daniels for your interior offensive line. Who's starting at that third right guard position? I mean, are you bringing back Jermaine Effetti? Are you confident enough that a guy like Sam Mustafir or Alex Bars is going to develop? So the Bears have some needs on the right side of the offensive line they're going to have to address, which is why I think a guy like Tommy Kramer makes so much sense. Yeah, you could certainly say that going into the Notre Dame pool for these offensive linemen for the Bears. It's worked out pretty well for them in the past. And uh, yeah, I could definitely see that working out as well. Uh, you can never, again, you can never have too many offensive linemen, that's for sure. Uh, so the second six round pick that I'll get to for my mock draft, uh, I went in the offensive side of the ball again, and I went with another wide receiver here. And that's Jalen Virgil, wide receiver out of Appalachian State. So I actually went with back to back Mountaineers here with my picks, but. Uh, when I look at Virgil, this is purely a pick based off of his traits and natural upside. So Virgil, he's a very well-built wide receiver uh, at six foot one, 205 pounds, and he's got blazing speed. I mean, this is a guy that was clocked in his freshman year of running a high 4-2-40. I think it was a 4-2-7-40 um, <laughs> as a freshman. So he's got speed for days here. And you look at him as a player, I think he's someone that's better 
you know, at his best after the catch when he gets the ball short and underneath. Uh, he's got the size where he can run over smaller defensive backs. Uh, he's got enough explosiveness and uh, quick twitch shiftiness to uh, juke guys out in space. And again, he has that speed to where if he gets by you, he's got more than enough speed to run away from guys and, you know, go from short, a short pass to a touchdown in that situation. So you look at him uh, at Appalachian State for his career, he averaged 14.6 yards per catch for his career. And even though he only had 83 receptions for his career, so not a lot of volume necessarily to work with, but he had 10 touchdowns on those 83 receptions. So he was getting, when he was getting the ball in his hands, he was more often than not scoring and getting big plays for you uh, with the ball in his hands. He also has experience at, at kick returner as well. So you look at the Bears right now, Cornell Patterson, he's set to be a free agent this upcoming offseason. Uh, it, it's possible that if you go with a guy like Jalen Virgil, maybe he develops into somebody that could be a re, uh, replacement right away for Patterson as a kick returner and maybe develop into something at the wide receiver position based off of uh, his development track here in Chicago. Yeah, that's certainly an interesting pick, you know, and I think that I know I went ahead and took Rondell Moore super high, but also I think that this wide receiver class is deep enough to the point where the Bears don't have to take a wide receiver high to hopefully find that third wide receiver that they are going to need to complement hopefully a trio that includes Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney going into 2021, right? So for my second sixth round pick at 223rd overall, what I did is I went ahead and I selected Michael Mennett, a interior offensive lineman from Penn State. And I know that, yeah, I explained this with the Tommy Kramer pick too. Sure, the Bears have a lot of like interior offensive linemen on the roster, but I think Teams have showcased in this league, one, you can never have too many, too much offensive line depth. And number two, offensive line depth is very crucial. I mean, we saw just this past Sunday in the Super Bowl where a team was down four starters and the offensive line looked horrendous. That went ahead and affected the rest of the um, play of the offense, right? So Menit from Penn State, to me, he's a true center prospect. I look at him, he's mobile. He is able to get to the second level and then go up against linebackers to create running lanes. Right. And that I think is a key thing for me because like David Montgomery has shown that the more and more that you feed him, he can be a workhorse running back. Right. So why not continue to invest in offensive linemen that are going to help you get to the next level that are really mobile, right. That are very mobile and that are going to continue to allow David Montgomery to do his thing. Cause the offense was significantly better last year when David Montgomery was in a groove. Yeah, certainly. Uh, offensive line, again, you, you mentioned it. We saw in the Super Bowl, Kansas City Chiefs, they really struggled to not only protect Patrick Mahomes, but run blocking wasn't the greatest all season long with the injuries that they had up front. Uh, certainly, you never had too many offensive linemen. All right, for my last six-round pick, I went on the defensive side once again, and that's going to be, with this pick, Jacoby Stevens, linebacker safety hybrid player out of LSU. So, again, Stevens, he played safety at LSU for the most part, although they like to use him around the line of scrimmage a lot more um, than your typical safety. But I'd have him convert to full-on linebacker um, in this scenario due to his stiffness and lack of coverage ability um, in space at that position. So I just don't think he's a natural safety. And we saw that at the Senior Bowl, he actually played linebacker at the Senior Bowl. So maybe that's already signaling that he's already planning on making that position switch to linebacker. 
Uh, he was down to 216 pounds at the senior bowl, but I think he could bulk up to 225-ish around that weight and still maintain enough athleticism to be a nice sub-package linebacker when they go to nickel and dime formations on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I don't think he's a starter anytime soon, uh, but I think he does have the ability to maybe down the line develop into one someday. You look at the Bears right now, Roquan Smith is obviously somebody that I think they're going to be keeping long-term. Um, you know, he's going to, they're probably going to pick up his fifth-year option. They're going to try and get an extension done. He's a long-term answer at their linebacker position, but they do need to get a second guy in there to replace Danny Trevathan at some point. Is that Jacoby Stevens? You know, we'll see. Right now, though, they don't have a lot of depth on their roster at the linebacker position. And we saw Roquan Smith run down uh, the last two years, uh, specifically last season, that they just they were just missing his speed sideline to sideline and his ability and coverage underneath to basically blanket running backs and tight ends um, out of the backfield, basically. And Jacoby Stevens, he gives you that type of player as an undersized linebacker that could fill that role, I think, very well and also contribute on special teams as well. Yeah, you know, linebacker depth is interesting because I just look at this class, right? And obviously you have your big guys that are going to go in the first, like, one or two rounds, like Owosu Karoma from Notre Dame. You have Xavier Collins from Tulsa, Nick Bolton from the University of Missouri. And then you have, um, I believe it's Chad Surratt who goes to the University of North Carolina, right? So UNC, those are just some of the names and then Micah Parsons as well. So the Bears could theoretically, if they decided to go ahead and draft the linebacker early, they could have Danny Trevathan's replacement on the roster, but that player probably wouldn't take over until 2021. But they do need some linebacker depth behind Trevathan and Roquan Smith, right? And I think that one of the things that we saw is that when we the Bears linebacker depth took a significant hit when Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Kwiatkowski left last offseason via free agency. So that's why investing in a linebacker on day three would not be a bad idea. Now, for my second-to-last pick, I actually went with safety. I chose Richard Lacunte, the safety from Georgia. I look at him, I say, you know what? He is a rotation. He's going to be a guy. Got pretty solid communication, some good leadership. He is going to be a guy that is a rotational safety um, I think that he can certainly go ahead and play in the slot, but you can kind of move him like all over the place, right? But he needs to be more physical at the point of attack. So Lacunte is a guy that I'm not, I think that when we look at him, he can definitely be someone that is a starter next to Eddie Jackson for the next couple of years, because with where the bears are at, like, let's be honest. I mean, some people will say like, Oh, what about Deion Bush or Deandre Houston Carson? Look, if those guys developed and progressed as Chicago would have hoped there would have been no need to bring in a guy like Tashawn Gibson on a one-year deal last off season. So Lacunte is a player that I think if you're going to roll the dice on figuring out someone who is going to be a true replacement next to Eddie Jackson, he's the guy to go ahead and pick. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I look out. Uh, he's, he's somebody that brings you a lot of versatility in the backfield, that's for sure, as a coverage player. Like you said, uh, kind of struggles with physicality a little bit, but as a coverage league and, and the Bears, I think they want to go to a coverage-centric defense. So uh, LeCount, I think, would be a great fit in this defense as a two-high safety that can kind of do a lot of different things for you in terms of the coverages. Uh, so, yeah, that, that brings us then to the seventh round, our last picks here. Uh, for me, I went with defense, defense once again uh, at 2.30 with Tadaryl Slayton, interior defensive lineman out of Florida. 
So the Bears, again, I mentioned this a little bit here in this podcast, but uh, with uh, Desai as their defensive coordinator, as a Vic Fangio disciple, uh, they're going to be relying heavily on light boxes this season. So you're looking at instead of seven-man boxes, probably looking at six-man boxes where uh, you have four down linemen at the line of scrimmage and two linebackers, and you're basically in nickel for the majority of the game. That's what you're looking at here, I think, with the Bears' defensive game plan next season. And if they're going to run that type of system, you need multiple big interior defensive linemen that can two-gap and absorb multiple blockers in the run game for you. Because, again, like I said, we still don't know what the status of Akeem Hicks is going to be this offseason, whether they decide to re-sign him or cut him or trade him. Who knows? He, the point is, you don't know how long Hicks is going to be here long-term. Um, so you need to get some more depth on the, on the defensive line to make up potentially for that loss. So you look at Slayton here. He was a guy that at Florida, he was listed at 360 pounds. So this guy is huge. Um, 6'5", 360, just a big, massive dude in the middle of their defense there. Play a lot of nose tackle, play a lot of three tech there as well. But I think his best position is as a nose tackle in a 3-4, even a 4-3, 4-2 type of defense there. So I'm not sure if he has a lot of upside as a pass rusher. He only had three and a half sacks for his career at Florida. Um, but if you're looking for a big guy to address the run defense and, and kind of sure things up there next to Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks, potentially uh, both in the short and long term, Slayton, he gives you a guy that has solid athleticism for his size. He's pretty good at, at eating up blocks there. And that allows you then with Roquan Smith as your linebacker to build around Roquan Smith and frees him up to do what he does best, which is run around the field and make plays. So Slayton, uh, not a guy that's going to contribute much as a pass rusher, but as a run defender, uh, gives you a good amount of upside there. And this, and this is a good spot, I think, to address that type of role. Uh, looking for two down run defenders, sixth, seventh round. That's the spot to look for these type of guys. And Slayton, he fits that for Bill perfectly, in my opinion. Yeah, Slayton's going to be interesting because I look at like just the state of the Bears defensive line. I mean, listen. Jay Rogers is gone. And let's be honest. I mean, the development of some of these guys in terms of just like Bilal Nichols emergence, Roy Robertson, Harris, the ability to kind of go ahead and revive guys like Brent urban guys like Mario Edwards jr. You know, even Nick Williams in 2019, that was all on a lot of the coaching of Jay Rogers had to do with, but now that he's gone, you know, you have to kind of rely more on the talent that players are going to bring to the table. And you are going to have to beef that defensive lineup because Urban's an unrestricted free agent. Roy Robertson Harris is an unrestricted free agent. So you're going to have to add to defensive line at some point. And obviously with Akeem Hicks getting older, you don't know what Eddie Goldman's going to look like because he's truly been out of football for a year. That's definitely an excellent pick. Now for my final pick, I actually invested in a quarterback seventh round, 230th overall. I was just like, listen, Pace has been here for seven off seasons. He's only drafted one quarterback. Maybe this year it's different just because the value of the quarterback position, is not just found at the very top. It's kind of scattered throughout, right? Because you have these tiers of like the top guys, like, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Tier two kind of includes players like Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. And then you have tier three, which is composed of guys like Ian Book and Jamie Newman, right? Guys that are going to be undrafted free agents or are going to be there on day three. So for my final pick, right, seventh round, 230th overall, I said, let me take a flyer on Ian Book because he is a guy that, yeah, he's undersized. All right, 
the mobility's there. He's thrown some crazy balls and relied on his playmakers around him to win those 50-50 balls, right? He doesn't necessarily have a set fit into any NFL offense, but what Ian Book can do is be stashed away as a backup quarterback on a practice squad, develop him, see what he can develop into. I think that the potential for him is there. And so if he's on the board, he would be my seventh round pick. Interesting. Another Notre Dame guy. Uh, we got a lot of Irish uh, ties here with this draft here. You said definitely. Uh, I think we got a lot of Notre Dame fans here listening to the podcast that are going to be a fan of this draft. Definitely for sure. Yeah, I would say here's the thing, right? Like, so I went back and looked at Notre Dame's history. And I think that over the last 10 or 11 years, they've had, you know, a couple guys drafted every year. And last year, the two big names were obviously second rounders in Cole Komet and Chase Claypool. But just this year, the talent that's coming out of Notre Dame, you definitely get the feeling that there will be, you know, four or five, maybe even six Notre Dame guys that do hear their name called, which when you compare it to other schools in the region, like a Wisconsin or a Michigan or even in Ohio State, right, or just like other big name schools, you realize like Notre Dame does not get the credit for the football factory or just the solid level of talent that continues to come out of there because they may not be like super high-end franchise cornerstone guys, but they are, you know, reputable and serviceable starters that have pretty successful careers in the NFL. Well, hey, we, we've seen with the Bears over the past couple of years that they've found some success uh, going after and developing some Notre Dame players. Uh, could definitely be the case here with uh, the draft to put together. All right, it's time to grade these drafts and – uh, kind of get each other's thoughts overall on how each other did. Before we get to that, we're going to take our final break of the show with another quick word from our sponsor. All right, and we're back here at Picks for Pace, concluding this Mock Draft 1.0 episode by grading each other's respective mock drafts. And I'll start this, you say, by going to your mock draft and grading what how I think you did with your mock draft. So, just for those, uh, to recap here, uh, you say in the first round he went there and drafted wide receiver Rondale Moore out of Purdue. In the second round, uh, both of us actually in the second and third round had the same picks. So Liam Eikenberg, tackle out of Notre Dame, uh, in, and Brevin Jordan, tight end out of Miami in the second and third rounds respectively. And then in the fifth round, getting Jalen Swyman, edge defensive lineman uh, prospect out of Pittsburgh. Tommy Kramer, guard out of Notre Dame in the sixth round. Michael Minette, center out of Penn State in the sixth round. Uh, Richard LeCount, safety out of Georgia in the sixth round. And then the seventh round went back to Notre Dame once again for quarterback Ian Book. So when I look at this draft that you put together here, you said, I do like the Rondell Moore pick in the first round. Um, when you put it in the lens of, you know, the Bears going after a veteran quarterback in this offseason and trying to improve the offense to help the quarterback and get this offense to kind of raise the floor a little bit of this offense a little bit to help out the veteran quarterback. So Rondell Moore, I really like that pick in terms of he brings a different element to this offense as an explosive guy after the catch. You know, he's probably the best yards after the catch guy in this draft class. You know, when he's healthy, and that's the key thing here is, you know, he's dealt with injury issues in the past, but when he's healthy, he is a, as dynamic of a player in this draft as you'll see. So it's just a matter of health when it comes to grading him as a prospect. Um, I personally see him as more of a second-round talent because of that. But I think when you put health issues to the side, 
he is easily a first round talent and somebody that could be a dynamic weapon in the NFL in as a slot receiver, I think. So you're looking at him as probably a replacement for Anthony Miller. But uh, again, I, I think from a talent perspective, uh, pretty fantastic right there. And then Eichenberg and Jordan, obviously I picked those two guys as well. So I think those are A plus picks in my opinion. Eichenberg, again, I kind of talked about this, probably a day one starter at right tackle or left tackle. And Jordan, kind of that perfect U tight end, a total steal in the third round, especially Jordan. I think Jordan's an A plus pick right there. Um, day three, uh, Jalen Twyman's interesting. He wasn't a guy that I was looking to target necessarily. I didn't even think he'd be available in the fifth round. Um, because I do think he does have some talent to be a fourth or third round type of pick. But if he's there in the fifth round, I think that's a good value. I'm not sure if that's necessarily a big need for the Bears in terms of getting another undersized pass rusher in the interior. But he definitely does bring an element that's kind of different for uh, this defensive line rotation. Um, I will say from a negative standpoint, I, um, from a more, I should say a more critical standpoint, I did feel like he kind of double dipped there um, with the offensive line in the sixth round with Kramer and Manette. I'm not saying that either pick is bad necessarily or that it's not a bad strategy to attack the offensive line position. I just feel like maybe, a, you know, some other positions maybe could have been addressed there. But, you know, as I said before, I think both players could be pretty solid here. Um, and like we've said before, you can never have too many offensive linemen um, and too much offensive line depth. Um, and then with your last pick, two picks here, Richard LeCount, I think that's a solid pick in the sixth round. Uh, that actually be a little bit of a steal there because of his value in coverage and his versatility as a, as a coverage player. Um, Ian Book, I'm personally not very excited about him as a prospect, but in the seventh round there, I think, you know, it's a pretty good flyer to make. You know, down at the senior bowl, I, I will say this. I thought he personally, to me, was the third best quarterback down there at the senior bowl. We can take everything into uh, account there in terms of uh, performance, actually, on the field. So Book uh, could be interesting there. Overall, for this for this draft, uh, coming from the perspective that the Bears are not looking to address a quarterback high um, because they went after a veteran in the offseason, I, I give this draft a solid B+, plus because more Eichenberg and Jordan are three instant day one contributors, I think, for the offense. And I think there is enough upside there on day three with some of these guys that you could find some contributors there. Yeah, and, you know, the thing with the Bears is this, right, is they are going to have to really rely on – they're going to have to hit on more of their draft picks, especially in 2021, as they continue to build the foundation. Because for all we know, I mean, the team could totally turn things around in 2021. And then all of a sudden, Pace and Nagy are back at it in 2022. So it's going to be very interesting to see, like, the Bears draft strategy play out. But, like, just looking at your picks, right, I mean, I really liked your draft overall because I think that when we look at it, right, you weren't just focused on, like, one pick necessarily. You were – or one position, you know, or a couple, like, major needs. You're like, hey, listen, right, need to address some linebacker depth, need to add to the front seven. And those, I think, right now are two positions that, quite frankly, like, Bears fans are just not talking about enough, knowing that, hey – if Hicks is, let's just say they trade Akeem Hicks this offseason or in the coming weeks here, and then all of a sudden Brent Urban's not back or a guy like Roy Robertson Harris isn't back or Mario Edwards Jr. isn't back, then the Bears are, those are automatically going to become two big needs that Chicago is going to have to address. And even if they're not major needs, they're still going to have to look to add to them because, again, you are losing some rotational guys, some depth guys, right? 
But, um, you know, my favorite pick of yours is obviously Mac Jones. Now, I've made this argument. I've been for drafting Mac Jones at 20. I've been against drafting Mac Jones at 20 because, again, Mac Jones, I don't think he's ever going to develop into the quarterback that you win games because of. But he is good enough that you can win games with, right? So, ideally, I'd agree with your scenario in the sense that, okay, Maybe you don't, you know, taking Jones at 20 is a bit of a reach, but if he pans out, no one's going to care that it was necessarily considered a reach at the time. But I think the ideal way for the Bears to go when you do consider drafting Mac Jones is, you know, all right, let's wait and see what happens with the 20th overall pick. If he's still there, can we negotiate some sort of trade down with a team that we know is not going to have a um, significant need at the quarterback position? Can we kind of move back, recoup some of our picks, and then go ahead and still get our guy in Mac Jones? Yeah, definitely. I think in a uh, different scenario, uh, that would be the strategy in terms of addressing the quarterback position with Mac Jones specifically. Um, obviously, in this scenario, we weren't doing trades or anything, so kind of had to stay put, put and uh, you know just go with the value of the position at quarterback. But, you know, looking at my draft as a whole, you said, uh, what grade would you give it as a whole? Because we had a little bit of similarities on the first couple of days of the draft, but day three, definitely we went into completely different directions there, uh, to say the least. Yeah, so I would honestly go ahead and give your draft an A, right? An A, a minus to be exact, because... It's like I mentioned, right? You get your kind of quarterback of the future, and then you add two guys that in Eichenberg and Brevin Jordan that I think in any other draft class would probably be in conversation for solidified first round picks. All right. And then you kind of looked at and assessed the entire roster on day three and you're like, all right, so these are the positions of need. All right. Who are the guys available that would immediately come in and be good rotational, some good depth guys that could provide some solid and serviceable play in 2021, but then even have the potential to start as soon as 2022 and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what the draft is all about. It's all about, about looking at things, not only from a short-term, you know, this next upcoming year standpoint, but long-term two, three years down the road, uh, you want to get guys that you think can, you can get in there and develop and be starters or contributors at least for you. Uh, down the road as long-term pieces for your teams. All right. Well, that was a ton of fun uh, going over these mock drafts that we put together here. Uh, we graded the, each other's drafts here, but now it's your turn. So what we're going to do is we're going to be posting both of these drafts on Twitter and make a poll for what you, which drafts you think are the better of the two. Uh, we'll make sure to get that out there once we get the up, episode uploaded eventually. Uh, you know, whatever that is, it's probably going to be Thursday afternoon, early Friday morning is when we're looking at getting this episode posted. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. Uh, you said, where can they follow you on Twitter and follow, follow and find your work? Guys, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all the same. It's at Usaid Koshal. I promote all my work on every single platform. And then be sure to check out my work on the Bear Report. I know I had an article just drop regarding what the Bears should do with Brent Urban. All right, going to have some articles regarding Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet's rookie seasons. But yeah, follow me on those three platforms and check out my work on the Bear Report. It's going to be an exciting offseason ahead. Yeah, most definitely this offseason is already 
if we're just going off of uh, the reactions we're seeing on Twitter with all these rumors, it's definitely going to be hectic to say the least. Uh, you can find my work at AJ. You can find my work at the Bearport as well, and you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman twenty five. Make sure to follow the Picks for Pace podcast on Twitter at Picks for Pace. Uh, kept it pretty simple right there. And yeah, make sure to give us feedback on these mock drafts. What do you like about them? What do you not like about them? Who do you think had the better mock draft here? Let us know on Twitter. Let us know, um, you know, in the comment section on the Bear Report as well when we post, it, post this there. Um, lots of good stuff, I think. Either way, uh, we look at this thing from an all-around perspective. Uh, all right. Thank you, Bears fans, for tuning in on all platforms. We'll make sure to get back to you next week for the next episode of the Picks for Pace podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.